Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, Kristen Sinanta-Walker here, host of Mental Health News Radio, and I am here with a wonderful author and mental health advocate, Steve Walter. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show. Great, my pleasure. Now, you've written two books, and I know you came from Chipmunka Publishing. We love the interview that we did with them, and we've had some really incredible people that have come on the show out of that interview. So I'm happy that you published there as well. And please tell our listeners uh, the books that you published. Yeah, the first one was called Fast Train Approaching, and that was my autobiographical memoir, My Experience of Breakdown. And then I published one called Voices, which is all about other people's perspectives on mental health and their own experience of mental health, about uh, 20 different people, um, some family, friends, mental health survivors, um, therapists, and others. When you published that book, how old were you when that came out? It was first published in 2007, so I was 47. Okay. And it was actually, that was 10 years after my first breakdown in 1997. Okay. How did that feel, that journey and putting it out there? Because at the time that you published it, it's a lot different now in terms of being able to talk about mental health than it was then. Yeah, it, it was more unusual, certainly. there was so we, We've obviously had lots of big, in the UK, lots of big anti-stigma campaigns um, since then. Um, but for me, it was, just, it was a very cathartic experience, just setting the time aside um, to be able to write that and uh, to get it all contained. It felt, uh, as I say, it felt cathartic, all packaged as one. And I subsequently actually um, produced a show which went to the Edinburgh Fringe based on that book. And what is the Edinburgh Fringe? Have you heard of that? It's the Fringe Festival. It goes alongside the main Edinburgh Festival every year. And it's ah. a, it, an opportunity for people to perform whatever they wish, really, to whatever kind of audience is willing to come along. And uh, we did that for nine days um, in August of 2009. So how did you, <laughs> for events like that, There, obviously that's a lot of stimulus coming at you for those kind of events. How do you kind of manage your your balance with your mental health when you're at an, a venue like that? Yeah, well, I guess my, my main managing 
has really been had to be through medication after I first had the breakdown. It seemed when I went off the medication and um, I had a relapse in 1999, and then again a couple of times later when uh, we wound down some of the drugs. So that, so I had to help manage things by by drug taking, and but also the the experience anyway is actually one of again um, re- relief and enjoyment and. Uh, delight really when you get audiences that are very interested to hear what has to be said and to share their experiences and to feel they've been able to reflect somewhat on their own yeah and how i mean you know you're a male out there talking about this so that's even more rare (laughs) (laughs) how how was it for you in you know in the community of other men were they very welcoming of, of you talking about it or were some kind of taken aback by it well, in those environments, they weren't. No, I right, mean, and right. um, but I did. It took me a while at, at work when I returned to my own workplace. It took me a while to uh, open up, and that was when the book was published. I was able, I did a short um, presentation actually in my workplace. Hmm. Um, that was kind of the first time, and there were there were um, a mixture of guys and girls along to that. And um, it, in fact, one of the guys there was actually took part in the Voices book later on. So. Um, uh, you know, it, I didn't find that to be an issue um, in the type of work that I was doing. There's been so much done in the, in the construction, particularly with the mates campaign over here, which has really helped to um, reduce some of the stigma for mental health. Good. Now I, I'm reading on your bio that you're you became an ambassador for the Department of Health's Mind Out for Mental Health campaign. So that's part of their initiative. I, I can see how how was that journey for you and working you know more of as an advocate in that role. Yeah, well, that was the first time that that was back in 2002. Where I first shared my story with my professional colleagues in health and safety, which is my my main work. And uh, the Department of Health at that time running that campaign um, just were, invited people to come forward if they wished to. And so I signed up. It was only a short-lived three-year campaign then. And that's when I began working with the Business Disability Forum as well and with um, seminars and workshops with them. So the Business Disability Forum, that's including mental health in that title, correct? They're classifying that as something underneath a disability? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it's, in terms of the Equality Act um, over here, that's um, it's, it is covered. It's a long term health, long term health condition. So um, yeah, it's covered in the term disability. Mm, interesting. It's always fascinating for me to interview people in different countries. Like I, I just interviewed someone who's working in Uganda on uh, mental health initiatives and the language that's used, uh, what's covered by the local government or the country's government is always interesting to see how different initiatives play out. The UK and Australia seem to have really good um, initiatives in place where other countries just, I mean, they have one psychiatrist for millions of people. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Australia led the way, didn't they, with their Beyond Blue campaign and right. and the st- stimulating the mental health first aid training that we have now in the UK as well. Yeah, and, and we have it in the US too. Thank goodness for those Australians. <laughs> so when you started speaking to other people for your second book how was that experience for you because i know for me the minute i i started interviewing people about their own journey that opened up a whole 
new world to me to hear that I'm not, I wasn't alone. And also just to hear, you know, somebody's completely different experience than my own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it, as you say, it certainly is an insight and it's a, it's a revelation that um, people have such different unique experiences, even if they've been given the same label by a psychiatrist, they're, they're living a, a different experience to somebody else, um, although there'll be some general similarities. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's always strikes me. It's so much about just about the person, about what it is to be human. And, uh, you know, these labels don't help really. Right. Exactly. I mean, they can in some ways in terms of, okay, someone told me, you know, that I have ADHD and I certainly meet the criteria and medication can help, you know, with that with, you know, that kind of a diagnosis. And yet it also is a label that I don't want to define me as I will never be able to do things because of this. You know what I mean? No. Yes, that's right. You don't don't want that to be defining of who you are. Exactly. Right. I mean, I can, you know, use it to my advantage. It helps me multitask. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So when you go out and you're speaking, like you do, what kinds of groups are you speaking to and, and how, how, are, how do you obtain places to speak? It's very different across different countries than the U.S., very different than how the U.K. UK works in terms of um, getting people out in front of audiences. So can you explain like, what that's like for you? Well, uh, with the Business Disability Forum, as I say BDF, it's, it's easier. They were an open market, if you like, um, because they were very keen on having people sharing their own personal stories. And they they had the audience there in terms of um, people within commerce, predominantly commerce, um, blue chip industries, that wanted to learn from, from the experience of the person who has a disability so that they can help improve and grow in terms of their diversity and those sorts of programs and understanding and, and create a good workplace for people. So that's what, that was coming at it from the workplace angle. And then in the fringe, it was, of course, the audience is really picked out of those that are attracted by um, the leaflets, the flyers, promotion. Uh, and they tended to be people who might be working within the health field, mm-hmm. but also, of course, anybody who'd had any similar experience or knew of people with similar experiences and was open to some sort of creative uh, presentation. How about when you're working with blue chip companies, as you call them? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I say, they, they were interested in how they can relate the experience to the workplace and they're carrying out what we, we would call reasonable adjustments to help somebody maximise their potential work, regardless of what um, uh, illness they may have experienced. Mm, okay. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organisations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. 
back to the show. Are you going to write another book, you think, in the future? Uh, I'm toying with the idea of um, writing uh, some auto-fiction, I think they call it now. So it's a fictionalized autobiographical account. That's Because um, I'm interested in creative writing, and uh, that's an area I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, but I haven't got any concrete ideas yet. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about, you know, what led up to your initial diagnosis. What was going on in your life? Kind of walk our listeners through that experience for you. Yeah, there's quite a few things going on. It was, kind of began about 1995, which goes back a long way now. I was looking to um, plan an event for the Millennium in the Royal Albert Hall. So I had a big sort of big idea about getting people together to celebrate the turning of the millennium and celebrate something of spirit in that millennium. But then two years later, two years down the road, the, the year started off in rather a strange way. I was having coffee with a friend in a cafe in West End and a cappuccino uh, when I noticed there was something gritty in my mouth. Hmm. And when I pulled it out, when I pulled it out, I noticed it had legs. It was a cockroach. Oh, my God. Okay. And, and wow. that, that, kind of, that kind of kicked off the year for me. I was kind of rather angry about that. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit, a bit like a trigger event in a way. Because um, what subsequently happened, I'd actually been to the States about a month after that. I had a great time in Walden Pond. I think it's Connecticut, isn't it? With mm-hmm. the, uh, Thoreau at Walden Pond. And that had inspired me as well. Um, I had a disagreement with my MD at work. And then things began to race for me. I was actually on a high. Everything was, I felt as if I could do anything. I was all omnipotent, all powerful. Gotcha. Could, could achieve anything. And it was, things were wonderful, actually, for a moment. And then people began, began to realize there was something wrong. This was over the space of about three months. And then they recommended that I went to the doctor. And it was just then that I kind of crashed to the ground and ended up in hospital and was there full-time for a month, and off work for another two months, and then just phased in gradually back into work for another three months. So it really took a long time before I, I had the confidence back again. Because I think coming out of hospital, I didn't even have the confidence to boil an egg. Right. It was, uh, you know, it was that ridiculous. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of the synopsis of the first breakdown, really. And did you look at family history and things like that to try to find out, you know, is this, was this genetic to, you know, that, that kind mm. of. Yeah. Cause it was diagnosed as bipolar. Um, mm-hmm. And my dad's father had had a diagnosis of neurasthenia. He died when my father was quite young. So there may have been something that skipped a generation there, mm. um, but uh, nothing obvious. So I'd had a bit of a depression depression issue issue when I was um, a young teenager but again nothing you know dramatic to speak of so it was all came out of the blue really you know completely out of the blue completely unexpected and it just shakes your whole foundation because you can't trust yourself well that's right you 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 are unable to be sure of when everything is right or when everything is actually going wrong yeah, I mean, so, it's not like a broken leg where you can go, yes, my leg is broken. I should not walk on no. it. This is your mind. That's what I I try to, you know, convey to people that don't understand this at all. You don't know what it's like to not have 
control of the thing that controls your entire life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ex- well, that's exactly, yeah. And um, I mean, I'd gone through a period from probably 2009 to about 10 years later, well, no, about eight years later, without any other episodes at all or major episodes. And then suddenly mm-hmm. I had one, I had to work work through it while I was at work. I actually did a conference when I was partly um, psychotic, which was an interesting experience. I bet. Um, <laughs> but, uh, a bit disturbing. But, um, yeah, you say so come to control, help to control it, um, you hope. And you, when you were doing that call, were you saying to yourself, kind of like a therapist on your shoulder, something is not right here? Like, did you have enough awareness at that point to be like, this feels familiar, something's going on that's not right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I was able to have more of that distance um, to, to observe behaving a bit more. Yeah, because um, when it, when it first happens, you don't know this is just what you're experiencing. So for you, it's this is reality. There's no other way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. You're completely wrapped up in it, and it's a completely new world um, which you're exploring, and you've also becomes frightening, and sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So how long has it been? And I'm sorry if you already said this. How long has it been since your last episode? Well, this one that I worked through at work, my previous job was uh, in 2016, February okay. 2016. So that's two years since of that, yeah. What do you do on a daily basis to kind of monitor yourself to see where you're at? Well, I don't know how I quite how to describe it i kind of check in with myself or i i, I know if there's some odd thoughts that might be appearing and kind of put them to one side um but i also enjoy writing and that's part of my uh, sense of reflection so to help me understand what's going on right um and to do sort of a, a self-check self-diagnosis i suppose yeah and you're in a supportive environment. So I, I like that, too. I like it when people will tell me, and I'm around counselors all the time because of what I do for, you know, for work. So, you know, they'll they'll say to me, Kristen, you've got some really uh, black and white thinking going on this week, or you're making these giant leaps from one thing to another. Like, what's going on with you? And that it helps to have people that you trust that know about what, mental illness is that can mirror for you this is what we're we're experiencing you may be feeling like you're fabulous but this is what we're saying (laughs) right yes yeah well my wife's always very good at picking up the first signs so (laughs) she always always checks with me yes right hey are you okay yeah exactly well (laughs) tell our listeners uh, where they can find out more about you uh, well, I've got a website. Uh, it's called makingconnectionsmatter.org. That's all one word. Um, there's a whole bunch of different things on there, some of the creative writing as well as a lot more on mental health. Fantastic. And your books can be purchased on Amazon and also through Chipmunka Publishing's website, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, Amazon and Chipmunka. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) And thanks to our listeners for another edition of Mental Health News Radio.
Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight. Good boy.